Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the podcast where you will get expert advice about the heavy-duty parts you buy. This episode is sponsored by Zerk.Work. If you are a mobile mechanic, you need to check out Zerk.Work. In this episode, we are going to discuss diesel particulate filters and all such things. To help us with that, I'd like to introduce Dave German from Road Warrior. Dave German has been in the sales management role since 2003, and he has spent the last 13 years with the DCL Technology Group. Of those 13 years, the last five, he's been with Road Warrior. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I am so happy you're here. Uh, Let's get a little history lesson, because when I go to the Road Warrior website, it states that you manufacture a broad range of diesel particulate filters, that's also DPF, diesel oxidation catalyst, DOCs, and selective catalytic reduction, SCRs. But it mentions that it's for post-2007 medium and heavy-duty trucks, buses, things like that. What's so significant about 2007? Uh, Yes, there's... um... Obviously, we've had catalytic converters on our cars uh, since the 70s. Uh, The diesel engine went relatively unregulated for many years, and the uh, EPA had a mandate uh, where they decided to uh, send a lot of black smoke coming out of these diesel engines, so they had uh, uh, some uh, clean air guidelines that came into effect in 2007. So essentially, in 2007 is when uh, heavy-duty diesel engines were impacted by uh, after-treatment. So and it's by the engine... Uh, model year, not the maker model of the truck. So, for example, you can have a 2007 truck or bus with an 06 engine, but that may not have after treatment on it. So, it's by the engine that it's mandated. So, that was a significant milestone, I guess, in getting into the DPFs, DOCs, and then 2010 with the SCRs. Okay, so I'm hearing you use an expression after treatment. Can you just explain what that is for someone who maybe isn't familiar with that expression? Sure. After treatment, obviously, um, we're dealing with the exhaust. So, um, emissions coming out uh, after the engine. So hence it's called after treatment because it's not like on your intake side, you're dealing with air filters and intake. That's why uh, I believe after treatment is commonly used. And the after treatment is designed to clean up a lot of the pollutants that are commonly coming out of the exhaust, such as carbon monoxide, hydrocarbons, which is that telltale diesel fumer smell. If you hear, if you ever felt that in the back of your throat, when you're behind a, an older diesel truck, you can really tell those, uh, uh, hydrocarbons, which is essentially a fancy word for saying unburnt fuel, and as well as the NOx. The NOx is what uh, contributes to things like acid rain and smog. So we're trying to clean all that, uh, and the black soot and smoke, obviously. Okay, so the main objective of this technology is an environmentally driven objective to try to clean up the emissions. Now, I hear people talk about deleting things, and I was hoping that you could explain to me 
what are they talking about when they talk about deleting? Is it applicable to this technology or is it something else that they're doing? No, it's definitely applicable to this technology. Um, obviously, this after treatment added, uh, on average, maybe twenty-five dollars to $50,000 worth of extra components on these vehicles. And like with anything else, when it's new, there's some learning curves or the engineers do their best to engineer the technology to be reliable. But, but uh, once it's in use and in practice, uh, obviously, first generation versus second generation, the product and technology does get better. But there was a level of frustration, I believe, where there's a a lot of misconceptions and, and understandings about how to properly maintain and take care of the after-treatment system. So they maybe had an inordinate amount of, of downtime and extra and added expenses. And I think with some operators, their level of frustration may be boiled over and they uh, started looking into the sort of, we'll call, uh, we'll call it black market or, or deleting it as something that would be definitely illegal in, in the U.S. Uh, you would be tampering with a certified engine. So what they one of the EPA mandates was to put some uh, what they called anti-defeat technology uh, program into the ECM. So there's back pressure and temperature and knock sensors and things of that nature that will detect if the DPF has, has been removed. And for example, if you're to take the can out and just hollow it out and reinstall it on the vehicle, the uh, back pressure sensors would say DPF not present and would essentially be rated and shut down the truck. Uh, same thing when it comes into the SCR technology, they have DEF tanks, diesel exhaust fluid, which is a, an additive that's required to uh, complete the uh, emission reductions of the NOx. And if you run that tank empty, there's obviously you'll get a warning light on your dash saying you don't have DEF fluid, please fill it. And if you ignore that, and then the NOx sensor picks up, you're not getting that NOx reduction anymore. Again, it'll take over and shut down the vehicle. So what people have done is they'll take it to, you can Google DPF delete and you get a variety of companies that would go in and uh, alter the um, OEM ECM programming to basically essentially trick the truck to thinking that the after treatment is still there to operate with the technology removed without having those anti-defeat shutdown, if you will, uh, take over and, and stop the truck from operating. Sort of like an override. Road Warrior is obviously not in the business of deleting this technology. Could you give us a little bit of background on your company and what it is exactly that you do? Because you're a manufacturer, not just a distributor. Is that correct? That's correct. We are uh, part of the uh, DCL uh, group of companies. That's where I started actually with the, the DCL uh, side of the business, which is more off-road and stationary. And Road Warrior was basically established afterwards specifically focusing on the heavy-duty on-road on -road truck market. So what, what we do is we manufacture the technology. We're a vertically integrated manufacturer, so we manufacture the substrates. We do the coatings and the canning all in-house, and then obviously we distribute and sell the product to our dealers in, in, the, in the marketplace throughout Canada and the U.S. primarily. And a big part of what we do is, is as a manufacturer, because there's so much, so much lack of knowledge, and even though it's been since 2007, you say, wow, it's been over 10 years, everybody should be pretty uh, up to date with this technology, but a lot of people try to avoid the technology when the, when the, when the DPF trucks came out. A lot of operators avoided these new trucks like the plague and kept their old trucks on the road and, 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 and uh, avoided buying these trucks with this after treatment for years and years. But eventually if they want to grow their business, they'd have to get into buying some of these new trucks. So some fleets and, and operators are dealing with DPF trucks in relatively recent history because they were able to leverage and maintain the assets that they had for many years. And there's just a, a lot of misconceptions, misunderstandings. So we spend a lot of time not only try selling our product, but providing a lot of information and knowledge. We commonly uh, 
do webinars, fleet nights, uh, lunch and learns and, and things of that nature to uh, help customers understand, A, how do, when, how do you take care of this, this technology? What is the proper PM maintenance schedule? And what are some of the warning signs when things go wrong? And more importantly, when things go wrong, how do you fix it right the first time? And one of the probably largest components that are a component on the after treatment system that is misdiagnosed and, and overlooked is the DOC or the catalyst. Uh, everybody focuses on the DPF. It is that, uh, you know, the, quote unquote, that soot trap that will uh, have excessive back pressure and shut down the vehicle. But it's really the DOC that plays a, an integral role in keeping that filter clean by oxidizing the soot. So a lot of times people will be replacing and troubleshooting the DPF, but understanding when the DOC is beyond its useful life and needs to be replaced. So we spend a lot of time trying to um, help customers ask certain questions, look at the history of the vehicle and some basic uh, tech tips that can help uh, dial that down. So don't, don't let me tell you when the DOC is bad. Don't let the dealer tell you when the DOC is bad. Understand how the technology works and let the DOC itself tell you when it's bad by the way it's behaving and performing. Is that webinar that you put on available for the public? Uh, yes, we, we, I don't have, uh, we do it live uh, because there's different levels of expertise. Uh, some people may have more knowledge than others. Some may need a more uh, uh, one-on-one type of webinar. So basically, yes, we, our customer service line can be contacted. You'd be put in, in uh, touch with either myself or one of our uh, territory managers. And then a webinar can be booked um, for anybody who's who's looking and interested in learning more about uh, the after treatment system and, and road warrior. So we spent a lot of time on that webinar. It's not a big road warrior commercial where we're just talking about a road warrior product. We spend, I would say over 80% of the time or even probably 90% of the time talking about the after treatment system in general, how it works, what are the common failure modes. We have a lot of obviously pictures and video of what things look like when things go wrong and how do we help people fix it right the first time. Okay, so we'll have information in the show notes of this episode so that you'll be able to contact them directly if you're interested in getting one of those webinars. Dave, let's go through some of the educational points that you talk about when you're talking about the maintenance side of keeping these systems in top working order. What are things that people don't know or they often make mistakes and and how do we correct that? Let's give them some real valuable information today. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, the, there's a, I would say, a follow your OEM's, OEM's recommendation, just like you have scheduled timings for your uh, oil service and all changes in air filters. You would want to follow the uh, PM service for the after treatment system. Diesel particulate filters, well, depending on the application, and, and it, it is very duty cycle dependent. That's that's the difference here, that some applications go over the road, a guy who's driving his, his truck uh, on the road, versus uh, something like a garbage truck or a transit bus where there's a lot of stop and glow, you'd want to follow the severe duty cycle. Now, severe duty uh, PM schedule may be counterintuitive. Thinking severe duty, I'm working the, the vehicle very hard. But when it comes to after treatment, severe duty is actually very low duty cycle with a lot of idling and a lot of stop and go. So it's counterintuitive. And something like a garbage truck would be a prime example where you want to follow the, not, not necessarily the PM schedule in... Um, in miles, but in hours, this is as an example. And then once the DPF is, you know, called for a PM service or a cleaning, uh, obviously do your homework, find yourself a, a reputable company, do your homework, ask questions, how long they've been doing cleaning, 
what kind of reports they provided, what equipment that they use so that uh, you can ask the right questions and making sure you're using a, a reputable company to do the service for you. And they will typically um, have tools and the DPF can be quite definitively uh, assessed how clean it was and whether there's signs of cracking and failure. And there's some simple things even a customer could do such as visual inspection on the DPF. Look at what I call the clean end and the dirty and the clean end is the outlet side and the dirty side is the engine side. So if there's any signs of black soot or smoke on the outlet side, that DPF is cracked and failed. It needs to be replaced. Save yourself the time and trouble from sending it off to a service center that's probably going to charge you a $75, $100 handling fee to tell you what you probably already know. You can use things like pin gauge testing, and light testing to do some little bit. It's very simple tools uh, off the shelf that you can purchase it expensively to look more what might not be visibly obvious on the uh, visibly obvious on the face of the filter that you can see detect some internal damage and save your time that way. So there are some pretty simple tools and that you can use for the DPF that could be used for passive failure. The problem is, is when anybody cleans a DOC, the DOC is a flow through device that does not trap anything. So it's going to be black, black, black on both ends. And it's that chemical coating or that catalyst coating. That's the working part. So anybody who does a DOC cleaning, so I say, oh, my DOC cleaned it, passed the test from the service center. Well, anybody who cleaned the DOC cannot tell you if that DOC coating is still viable or if it's been poisoned or deactivated. And that is probably the biggest problem in the industry is people not understanding that that DOC may have been poisoned from an upstream engine issue. So if your DPF failed and plugged up, what caused that failure? Did you have a blown turbo coolant leak or batted cylinder injector? There's contaminants and coolant and oil that can deactivate and, and poison that DOC, things of that nature. So then we tell customers we can take it a step further. And again, there's the ECM and there's a lot of um, things like temperature sensors or back pressure sensors that can give you a lot of information about how that DOC is performing, but you need some baseline data to compare it to. So I usually advise customers when it comes to the DOC, what you want to do is get some baseline information because it is duty cycle dependent and over the road truck versus a transit bus versus a garbage truck is going to have a different operating cycle. So what you would want to do is when you get a new truck, you can, with the OEM software, put it through what's called the Forester Active Region. There's a temperature sensor before and after the DOC. And when it's going through a forest region, which is injecting diesel fuel in low duty cycle mode to artificially rise the temperatures to oxidize that soot, you're going to see a temperature spike because that DOC coating is boom, lighting off that diesel fuel. And you're going to get a temperature spike of roughly maybe about 500 degrees Fahrenheit. But it ranges. So for argument's sake, we'll say 500 degrees on the inlet, 1,000 degrees on the, on the outlet side. And you can put that in your, in your record keeping. And next time you, you service your after treatment system, you put it back together, you put it through a forest region, plug in your laptop, and you can see if it's, you're getting the same uh, temperature spike that you anticipate. So you can have some experience on when that temperature falls to a point. It's either going to be the DOC that's poisoned or you're having a problem with diesel fuel. Maybe your diesel doser is not injecting the right amount of fuel. But if you inspect that, that if that's the temperature rises there, then that's a telltale sign that the DOC needs to be replaced. But further to that, way these, the way these systems are designed is to passively regenerate, which means that the DOC is taking the energy, the heat, and the exhaust gases to oxidize the soot, which is a fancy word for saying it's just going to burn it off. And you want to be doing that when the truck is going down the road, has a good load, working hard. The DOC with its chemical coating is going to take that energy in, 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 the, in those exhaust gases and oxidize it. So, but as the DOC starts to get a little weak and poisoned over time, that passive efficiency is going to start to decline first. 
and it's going to more often rely on what's called an act over forced regen. So if you have an increased reg uh, forced regen frequency, that's a telltale sign that your truck may be having a DOC that could have been poisoned along the way. So another thing that you can do is the ECM records every active regen event. So for argument's sake, if the truck was out for a number of months and uh, comes in for its oil change or PM service, plug in your laptop and say, oh, this vehicle regens once every 100 hours. That's its baseline based on how I use it. Now I've had some DOC issues. I've had some issues. I cleaned it all up. I was told the filter was replaced. My DOC still good. I put it back together. I did my temperature rice test. That all looks good. Now you put it back on the road, but don't wait three months to call it back and bring the truck back in in a week or so and plug in and see and say, wow, now this vehicle is regening 16 times every 100 hours or 20 times every 100 hours. And if after you've serviced and you've checked everything else and you've had, if, you have, if you've had a history such as a turbo failure, cooling leak or bad insulin injector in combination with this increased regeneration frequency, that's a telltale sign that the DOC is waving its white flag saying, hey, I've been poisoned. I need to be replaced. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Dave German from Road Warrior. Dave, I always encourage people to really focus on cost per mile over purchase price. Obviously, these parts that you're talking about, there is a cost, a cost to purchase them, a cost to maintain and replace them. How do we help people today to understand how to improve their cost per mile with what you're talking about? Yeah, that's an excellent question. One of the um bigger problems in the industry or misunderstandings again when you're talking about your cost per mile or, or um, life cycle costs is what I like to call it which would be very similar is the OEMs offer what's called a remand product or a remanufactured product so at face value that product seems less expensive and, and seems like a viable option so for argument's sake we'll say you could purchase a remanufactured product uh, a remand product for a thousand dollars and it and it, it seems a lot less expensive than some of these things can cost three, four thousand dollars, or, or two to three thousand dollars. But at the end of the day, you cannot remanu the ma remanufacturing is a is a relatively uh, a misnomer when it comes to the after treatment system because it can be reconditioned or cleaned. So essentially, when you're buying an OEM reman product, you're essentially buying a used and clean product because they have core charges. So they take the returns on the cores, they clean that core you've turned put it through a cleaning process and then sell it back into the marketplace. So when you're buying a remanufactured product or an OEM reman, you're not sure where it's been, how many times it's been through the system, how many miles are on it. So on face value, you may look like you're saving money because it's a thousand dollars versus $2,000. But at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're overpaying for cleaning because you're, you're paying sometimes two, three, four or five times what the cleaning costs would be. So when it comes to um, a value proposition and the, uh, uh, sort of life cycle costs. The best thing to do is if you have a good core, find a reputable cleaner, clean your own filters. This way you, you can keep records. You know exactly how old that, that unit is, how many miles are on it, what it's been exposed to. If it's been exposed to a turbo failure or cooling leak and say, oh, geez, I got to keep an eye on that DOC. Maybe it's been poison. Let me do my DOC temperature rise test and look at its regen frequency. But as soon as you do a, a reman or oium exchange, you're essentially trading in the filter that you know how old it is and you're essentially getting somebody else's filter back. So you don't know, and the OEM can't tell you, has that filter been through the, the their service cycle? Does it have a million miles on it? Is it better or worse than the one you got? You really don't know. So then if you're having regen issues, is it because that reman DOC that you purchased was no better than the one you just replaced, or you missed something? So I always, some people, again, want to buy OEM product, which is 
uh, completely understandable, but I would caution them when they're buying OE product versus aftermarket, insist that they buy new OE. And, and, and obviously, uh, Road Warrior would be a, a quality cost effective alternative because we, we, do, we do not get into the remanufacturing of products. All our products are brand new with no core charge. So as far as having your cake and eat it too, you can buy a new unit with no core um, as a spare swing unit. So say you have a truck with 10 or 15 trucks with the same after treatment system. My recommendation is buy a spare swing DPF and DOC. The truck comes in for service. You remove the dirty units. Now you can go get them cleaned yourselves at, at, at a reduced cost. Now you have that convenience of the turnaround. You have that spare swing you can put on the vehicle. Not let it wait for the cleaning to come back. And then you can retain that clean set for the next truck that comes in and just rotate them through. And by doing that, you essentially have your own remand program but within your own fleet. You can still track and trace by serial number and have a history of everyone versus using the OEM remand program, which is essentially a used and clean product at a, at a premium price is essentially what you're paying for. Dave, if you were to say that there was one key takeaway for people listening today, what would that key takeaway be? The key takeaway would be to understand how important the DOC is and to understand that, yes, the DPF may plug up and have shut down your vehicle, but that DOC is the component that's keeping that filter clean. The DPF is like a big garbage can. It traps and blocks all that soot, but it's not cleaning itself out. It's like if I were to leave my garbage can on the, on the curb at the end of the day, come back after work and it's still full. I'm not going to blame the garbage man. I say, Hey, uh, the garbage can, I'm going to say, Hey, how, where, where'd my garbage man go? How come he didn't come empty it out? Well, the DOC is your garbage man with that chemical coating. That's what's keeping that filter clean. So I would say the one big takeaway is understanding when your DOC is beyond its useful life and looking at things of, of uh, temperature rise during a forced region. And more importantly, if your truck is going through more frequent forced or active regions, that's unexplained with a history of turbo failures, cooling leaks, or battered cylinder injectors, I would start thinking I may have a DOC issue here. That's the root cause of my problem. Rather than people spending, I've had customers or have been at shows saying, I spent $10,000 worth of parts. I've replaced temperature sensors, back pressure sensors, knock sensors, all sorts of things. And I have a conversation with them. And after we, we dial it down based on the history that they've had, yeah, I blew a turbo six months ago, but I got everything clean. They told me my DOC was still good. You know, it sounds like they're giving me a telltale sign that the DOC could be the root cause of the problem. I'm not saying they didn't need those other components, but people tend to shy away from buying an expensive component like a DOC and buy a temperature or back pressure sensor that's, you know, hundreds of dollars versus thousands of dollars. So that DOC replacing it by having it operate properly, you're keeping that filter cleaner, which means less back pressure, means less fuel consumption. And also every active region is basically... Uh, if you have to do a park region, you could be parked on the side of the road for 45 minutes. That's lost productivity. You're, you're not delivering your load or your fleet. And if you have to do that multiple times a day, not only the, the fuel, the extra fuel you're spending, but how much time are you wasting? So having that DOC would pay for itself in a, in a relatively short amount of time. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Dave German of Road Warrior. To learn more about Road Warrior, go to dieselfilters.com. Dave, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Well, thanks, uh, Jamie, for having me and uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for the invite. Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? Go to heavydutypartsreport.com to listen to and subscribe to the podcast. Remember, focus on cost per mile over purchase price and keep those trucks and trailers rolling. 
HCA Truck Pride is the heart of the independent parts and service channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment. 